0: Amen. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. What a, what a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord today. We're going to be in Malachi this morning, chapter 3, if you have your scripture and want to pull it out and just open it up to that. You know, there was a man who stopped by a house uh, with a sign out front that said, talking dog for sale. And, um, you know, the owner directed him to the backyard, and so the guy stuck his head over and he said... Uh, uh, so uh, you back there? Can you talk? And the dog said, Yep. And he said, uh, Well, uh, I got to what's your story? And the, and the dog looked up and he said this. He said, Well, you know, I discovered this gift when I was young. I discovered that I could talk and, and you know, I really wanted to help the government out. So I went to work for the CIA. And they flew me all over the world, all these different countries. And I would eavesdrop on all these foreign leaders. And uh, they never suspected that a dog could talk. And um, he said, I, "I was one of their most valued assets. I've I, I covered some incredible, uncovered some incredible secrets." He said, um, "I married. I, I had a lot of puppies." And uh, he said, "Now I'm retired." And uh, this guy couldn't believe his ears. I mean, who ever heard of a talking dog? And um, he was ready, already thinking of ways he could uh, put this uh, eavesdropping dog to use. And so he asked the owner, he said, uh, he turned to him and he said, how much do you want for this, this dog? And uh, the owner said, I don't know, maybe 10 bucks. And he said, 10 bucks. This Man, this is, this is amazing. Your dog is amazing. Why can you just sell him for so cheap? And the owner just kind of shook his head and he said, because he's a big liar. He's a big liar. It reminds me of that older gentleman that uh, had a serious hearing problem uh, for about 10 years, and he finally went to the doctor and got some hearing aids. And uh, he came back for about a month later, and the doctor said, you know, your hearing is about 100%. And uh, he said, I bet your family's really excited that you can hear now. And he said, you know what? I haven't told them yet. (laughs) He said, I've heard a lot of conversations, and I've changed my will three times. You know, as we come to our passage today, thank you all for laughing, I appreciate that. As we come to our passage today in the book of Malachi, uh, it's helpful to think about God as eavesdropping, okay, on some conversations. God listening in. This is important because he's listening in as two groups of people are talking, and understand this, that the first group is talking against him, and he's listening in. And the second group, uh, you know, they, they were speaking in awe of him. And, and it's it's interesting because this first group, they looked around and they complained about things, but the second group, they looked up and they comprehended things. But understand that God was listening in and he heard it all malachi chapter 3 verse 13 uh, down through verse 18 if you have your scripture and would follow along uh, the, the, the prophet says this your words your words have been arrogant against me says the lord yet you say what have we spoken against you You have said it is vain, it is futile to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge and that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord gave attention and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come in power. Father, that your Holy Spirit would would reveal to each of us uh, just the, the own darkness of our own hearts. And Father, that we would this day choose to serve you. Father I pray that you would be with us I pray that you would guide us I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us and use us And it's in Jesus name that we pray Amen You know in this passage the Lord charged his people With saying strong or arrogant things against him The Lord was saying you guys are, you guys are, are, are speaking strongly against me and and I, I I wonder about this because you know they asked the question, Well what what have we said against you? And his, his answer was very specific. He said, You said it is vain, it is futile to serve God. You have said it is vain, it is futile to serve God. So serving God is is kind of the basic theme of this passage. And notice that the section closes with the phrase, the one who serves God and one who does not serve him. And so we find an interesting contrast here between the majority, the majority of people who do not serve God and then there's this, this remnant, this little group that does. And, and you know, the, those that, that the majority concluded that serving God was of no value. That there was no value to be gained in serving God. And, and, and the, the remnant enjoyed the benefits of service to God. So serving God is, is called into question. And people, you know, they don't want to believe in something for nothing. Okay? Um, they want something tangible for their commitment. In other words, if I'm going to serve you, God, then I want you to do something for me. We're kind of like Jerry Maguire, you know, show me the blessings. That's what we want. Lord, if I'm going to commit myself to you, then I want your blessings. And that's kind of the way we, we view that commitment. You know, and, and, and I, I love this because they ask the question, what profit Is it that we have kept his charge, and what have we walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts? See these people, these people that said this—they were a self-centered people. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute now. These people were self-centered. They're saying, you know, why should we serve you, Lord, if if you don't show us the blessing? We, we, we—you want us to commit our lives to you, but where's the blessing? And they ask the question, well, what's in it for us? <laughs> you know, it's interesting because the Hebrew term here that's translated profit, what does it profit us? Was a technical term for <laughs> when a weaver would cut a piece of cloth off from the loom. The idea here is that these people expected their cut. They expected their percentage Kind of like a gangster might demand his cut for his dirty work. They're like, we want to serve you, Lord. Well, give us our cut. Give us what we have coming. Give us our portion. And they were grumbling that God hadn't given them their fair share. So what what benefit is it if he hasn't given us our fair share? But be careful here. Be very careful here. Because our flesh is inclined towards self-pity. Our flesh is inclined towards self-focus and towards self-centeredness. Our flesh is the one that looks inwards and says, well, what have we got for our commitment, Lord? What, what difference does it make if we follow you or not? And you know what? The world totally feeds our flesh. The world totally feeds that. What's in it for you? What are you getting for your commitment to the Lord? See, I would say this. If the church isn't meeting your needs, this is what the the world views it. This is how they view it. They say, if the church isn't meeting your needs, then bail out bail out go do something else because you know what life's too short you deserve some happiness you can't worry about the needs of others god understands you need your needs met first see this is a very selfish self-centered focus we also need to be careful about how we present the gospel because if we approach if we approach the gospel as come to jesus and he's going to meet every need you have then people may be disappointed when things come up short it is true of course that Jesus satisfies the deepest longings of every human heart that puts their trust in him that is true but we need to to balance that we need to make sure he's not he's not Aladdin's genie waiting to grant your every wish. He's not saying, sit down, you're getting your three wishes. When we serve the Lord, it's different. We serve him out of a love and a heart for him, not because of what we receive. See, while following Christ brings us deep and lasting joy, understand that the path to that that joy, the path to this joy that we speak of is daily self-denial and the cross. Luke 9, 23 and 24 says, If anyone wishes to follow me, he must take up his cross daily. He must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. See, that doesn't sound like immediate, pleasant experiences. You know, I always chuckle when I read in the New Testament where Peter said to Jesus, he says, Behold, we've left everything to follow you. We left it all behind. And Jesus affirmed that whatever they had given and and given up to follow him, they would receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Then while I'm sure the disciples were standing there nodding with approval, oh, we're gonna receive a hundred times as much. And then Jesus adds, and persecutions. And he says, oh, and in the age to come, eternal life almost as if it's an afterthought oh yeah and you're going to get eternal life but think about that a hundred times as much but along with persecutions and what's in it for you if you serve the Lord he gives abundant blessings both in this life and in eternity but do not forget the persecutions I don't want you to run at the first sign of danger. I don't want you to be somebody who will not stand and fight for the things of the kingdom of God. I don't want you to be in under any circumstance wondering whether or not you are in the fight. Because brothers and sisters, we are in a spiritual battle. And we're behind enemy lines. You know. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So understand this truth, that self-centered people don't last long in serving God. Self-centered people don't last long in the kingdom because all they care about is themselves. That's what they want to satisfy. And our world just plays right into that. They also said they walked in mourning, it says, And that we have walked in mourning and in sorrow and sadness before the Lord of hosts. And that may refer to an outward show of, you know, remorse for their sins. Apparently, these doubters felt like the Lord was obligated to reward them openly for their service to him. And since their expectations were not met, they came to the false conclusion that the arrogant, those the the wicked people, well those who challenge God, they're all better off than we are. But folks, these are not the first nor the last to question the value of serving God. All whose motive of serving God is for personal gain will ultimately be disappointed. I mean, think about Jesus. He had had nothing in this world. He didn't have a home. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He he died a, a, a beggar's death on a cross with nothing to his name. The humility that it took to walk this earth, to do what he did and yet be without sin. And he gave his life for each one of us so that we could be reconciled to God. See, Jesus addressed this uh this subject of of being disappointed and and coming to to him for personal gain and when he concluded in his parable in Luke 17 verse 10 he said so you too when you do all the things which are commanded you say we are unworthy servants we have done only that which we ought to have done folks that's service in a nutshell we do what ought to have been done So then he goes on and he explains what serving God looks like. I mean, what is involved in actually serving the Lord? In Malachi, he provides help in answering that. Um, He shows us that a true servant must first have the right attitude. A heart, a servant's heart. And he describes the true servants as those in verse 16 who feared the Lord and honored his name. And, you know, fearing the Lord really refers to an attitude of reverence and respect uh, for who he is. And, folks, we need to, we need to capture that back, a, a, a healthy fear of the Lord. Amen. I mean, to have that fear is to honor his name, and it would mean to, to keep his commandments from a heart of love. Because because it's something that you want to do. It's It's not an obligation. It's something we're just doing our duty, but yet it's out of love. And what a beautiful thing. This servant attitude expresses itself in humility. Not in pride. In humility. In obedience. And in worship. Additionally, rather than complain about a lack of reward, look at what they did. Look at verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. I love that. They spoke to one another. Apparently about their love for the Lord and about his goodness to them. I mean, here was a fellowship of servants composed of a remnant of the faithful among a nation of unbelievers. A group of fellowshipping together of servants. (laughs) Part of this larger remnant in a nation of unbelievers. I think that's big stuff. Because understand this, God notices and he cares for those who fear and serve him in spite of the hardship. He knows what we're going through. He sees where we're at. He knows how hard it is. And he loves us and he has compassion upon us. Folks, be in this group that's in verse 16. Get in this group and be in this group. They are probably the minority group according to the numbers. They're not with everybody else. They're not going with the masses. They're not going with the way the crowd is going. See, I'm thankful that God always has a faithful remnant that serves him in spite of the many difficulties. Notice that those who serve God are called righteous whereas those who don't are called wicked. I'm coming back to that. That's not to say that serving God earns the label of righteousness because we can do nothing to commend ourselves to God. Just like Jesus said in Luke 17, we are unworthy servants. Our righteousness is in the Lord Jesus. He gave his life for us And what happens is that righteousness is imputed to us. It covers us so that when God looks at us and we are in Christ Jesus, what he sees is the righteousness of Jesus in us. He sees it covering us. He doesn't see the unworthy slave. He doesn't see the unworthy servant. What he sees is the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thing that his righteousness is imputed to us through our faith. But serving God is a distinguishing mark of a righteous person, whereas not serving God are marks of the wicked who only live for themselves. And folks, there are two, and I want to say only two groups. You're on one side of that or the other. You're not on the fence. And there's not another group. Either you have not trusted in Christ and you live for yourself or you have been justified by faith in Christ and now you live to serve him. It's one or the other. See, in our text, this group valued the Lord and they valued his character. They valued his name above the majority's opinion. They didn't go along with the prevailing thoughts of the day. Because they looked to God in his majesty and they feared him and they respected him and they valued him above everything else. God was in first place in their life. See, I believe that the Christian world today needs a revived emphasis on the proper fear of God. I mean, it's right that we recognize and emphasize God's love because God is love. 1 John 4, 8 but we are out of balance if we emphasize God's love to the neglect of the fear the respect the honor that is due his holy name (laughs) he spoke this world into being he said it and it happened and when Jesus returns he's going to slay his enemies by the words of his mouth I mean there's something to be feared there See, too many pastors today fear what people think of them rather than what God thinks of them. I think this is a problem because if we fear what man can do, then we don't have the courage to speak the truth of God's word to man. See, I fear God more than I fear any man. And I know, I understand that, you know, we are going to all give an account for it. But fearing God gives us courage in the midst of an unbelieving world. We also need fellowship with like-minded believers in order to stand firm against the wrong ideas that come at us from the world and from the devil and, 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 and you know, from the flesh. See, if all you need to do is attend church and leave but you don't fellowship with other Christians during the week, you will struggle to maintain a godly perspective in the face of the evil that is all around us. We need fellowship with other believers. That's why Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 commands us to think about how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, how to spur one another on. And not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but to encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day drawing near. Folks, there is coming a day. It is going to be a very fearful day for many. The day when King Jesus returns for his bride. There will be a day of judgment. It will be a day of awe. It will be a day of power like we have not seen. But when he comes and that day is drawing near, we will all give an account. So encourage one another. Don't forsake assembling. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. But notice also the serving God, how it's rewarded. Does it pay to serve God? Let's consider the rewards of service for the Lord that the Lord promised. It says in verse 16, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. Wow. (laughs) He's not only listening in, he's taking notes. You know, for some of us, that might be a scary thing to know that God is taking notice of what we are doing and what we are saying. The Hebrew word here translated, and the Lord gave attention means to raise the ears. Like when an animal, like when a dog perks his ears up because he heard something laying there in the middle of the floor and all of a sudden his ears go up and you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Somebody must have driven into the driveway. He heard it long before we did. But that's what it, it, it's that. It's that picture of that is, is God raising his ears up of, of paying attention. And the word heard means to bend over so as to not miss any word. Like a parent bending over and listening in, eavesdropping in on their children while they're talking. Nodding, not wanting to miss anything they said. That's a, that's a crazy picture of God. It says this book of remembrance probably refers to a, a book that the Persian kings kept with the names and of people who did good deeds. And they didn't want to re, uh, forget it. And so they wrote it down and, and put it in a book. Kind of like we read about in Esther chapter 6. Where the king wrote down what Mordecai had done. And then he was going back and reflecting and looking at it and saying, hey, I forgot to honor Mordecai. It's the same picture of God flipping back through and going, oh, I forgot to honor those who serve me. Oh, I want to give them a, a, a real blessing here. And God hears and he remembers everything said by everyone at all times. But understand this. These human pictures applied to God remind us that he's not forgetful of his children. When they take a stand for him or when they go through a difficult or time or they pay the price to serve him. See, God promises that they will be his. God promises that we will be his on the day when he prepares his own possession, his own treasure, that he will spare them when he judges the earth as a man spares or has compassion on his own son who serves him. So God is assuring his people that he hears and he takes notice of that which the world overlooks and that which the world despises. See, the world notices the powerful. The world notices the rich. The world notices the famous. But God notices those who fear him and those who serve him. They are his special treasure, And so we should not despair at the seemingly prosperity of the wicked world or even at our own trials. Because when God judges the earth, when God judges the earth, the line between the righteous and the wicked will be made very clear. Those who serve him and those who do not. So in making a distinction, as we wrap up this morning. Can I ask you a question? And my question is this Which group are you in? Which group are you in? It's a fair question. It's a fair question. Are you looking around at everything that's going on and are you complaining? Are you looking up and comprehending? what God is going to do next. You see, the time for the king to return is drawing short. And I believe it's shorter by the day. And there has always been a very clear distinction between the righteous and the wicked. As God eavesdrops in on our lives, he makes a distinction between those who know him and those who do not. And on that day when he returns, I don't want him to have any doubt about which side I'm on. I want to be able to say, "Lord, right here's where I took one for the team." And this 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 limp I have—that's where I almost got devoured. You know what? And, and the reason I don't hear well is because I've taken some hits to the ear as well. But you know what? He's not going to have any doubt recognizing that we belong to him. Those that are his special treasure, he will know who we are. And see, I want you to notice that once the people decide to exalt God and help build one another up, they did something that would help them remember their commitment. This scroll of remembrance. Let me boil this down. They put their name on the line. They said, this is who I am and this is who I'm with. See, the Lord here further identifies this as a distinction between those who serve him and those who don't. Righteousness in God's sight is more than just a profession of our faith. It must be a faith That moves us to serve Him. Such an authentic faith is rewarded, and yes, it always, always, always pays to serve God. But the Bible makes it clear here there is no middle ground. We're either saved or we're lost, we're either alive in Christ or we're dead in our sins. We're either in the light or we're in the darkness. We're in the kingdom of his son or we're in the kingdom of Satan. We're on the road to heaven or we're on the highway to hell. That is the truth. And if you're not sure what group you're in, let me encourage you to stop denying your guilt before a holy God and recognize that only Jesus, faith in Jesus Christ alone can save you from the destruction that is to come. You see, I'm telling you the truth. And God's word does not change. His word stands forever. So will you put your faith in the person of Jesus Christ and trust him to save your soul? Because you see, the payment has already been made. The payment for your sin has been made. You just need to accept it by putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. I want you to tune in real close here because in a moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to have our our worship team come forward and they're going to lead us in a song or two. And this morning, I'm asking each one of you to put your name on the line. To put your name on the line for God. To say, God, I am here to serve you. God, I belong to you through the blood of Jesus Christ. I am yours. You know, my wife, she knows that I love her. But she really likes to hear it every once in a while. And I believe it would, it would honor God if we told him, God, I love you, and I'm here to serve you. I'm asking that you come forward just in humility and in prayer, telling him, that you are his make the distinction let today be that defining moment that changes the rest of your life to say you know what I'm here I love you and I'm going to serve you no matter what come hell or high water I'm here and I'm going to serve you to the best of my abilities as long as I have breath can we do that Because if we don't, we're just posturing. We're just trying to look good. He doesn't care how it looks. He wants to know, does it work? Are you going to serve me? Let's pray together. Loving Father, I do pray that this day would be a defining moment in each one of our lives. Father, as we went through the book of Malachi and we're continuing on through it, I I, I know that you are speaking to our hearts. And, Father, you are calling your people to return to you. And, Father, we sit. And we won't move because we're worried about what someone else might think. But, Father, I thank you that you love us and that you are a rewarder of those who seek you. I pray, Father, that today would be a day of distinction, that today would be a day, a a defining moment in our lives, that we set you apart, Father, that we would say, God, we love you and we will serve you, Father, from, from here and throughout eternity, no matter what, that our names would be in that book of remembrance that our names would be in that Lamb's book of life. And Father, we just it's our joy to honor you and to give you the glory and the honor that is due your name. Father, I pray that in the time that remains that we would honor you with all that we are. Unashamedly, Father, the, the truth is, is if we don't have the courage to do it in this house, We're not going to do it out in the world. So I pray for courage in each one of our hearts to come before you in humility and say, God, we belong to you. Use us for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You just move this morning as God, as the Holy Spirit prompts you.